We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rivals. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Take a piss, don't take a shit in the porta potties. Alright? Welcome to another edition of the Butting Heads Podcast on Rams Talk Radio. I'm Steve Barrow, as always, here with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, we were on kind of like <laughs> very high crisis levels last week, but lo and behold, as always, uh, it turned out to be an overreaction. The Rams won another game, they're 8-4, and four, and we, we feel fine. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I don't know if it was an overreaction, to be honest, but I will say that um, we had cautious optimism about this game, if any optimism at all. But I think both you and I had the Rams winning this game anyway, so I guess it was cautious optimism. Yeah, it, it, the the reaction was warranted, and hey, listen... We weren't, we were not the only people overreacting last week or reacting, I should say. I don't know if it's necessarily overreacting, but listen, here we, we went into this game. Uh, it wasn't a must win by any means, but to win this game, I mean, it, the Rams would have to do a lot to miss the playoffs at, the, at this point after winning this game. So it, it's a huge win because you give yourself a nice little cushion over Arizona um, you, you push yourself into the, the two seed, obviously, because well, somehow the Giants beat the Seahawks, which is inc- incredible stuff uh, that that very much pleased me. And yeah, here we are, eight and four, very, very likely to be in the playoffs uh, after missing the playoffs last year. And even with, um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, I was thinking about this today. Right now, we're the two seed, and 
if everything plays out and we actually keep the two seed, we won't get a bye because the playoffs are now seven teams. So miraculously, if that happens two years in a row, uh, we kind of get bit in the ass by this playoff format because last year we were the seven seed, but it didn't exist. This year it does. We might be the two seed and we wouldn't get a bye because of the new format. Well, actually, we're the third seed right now. Oh, well, my rant still stands. <laughs> yeah, um, the the Packers are the second seed, and your favorite, the New Orleans Saints, are number one. Yeah, yeah, I know. But <laughs> can you guess who number four is? Oh, the G-Men, baby, our boys. The G-Men. They lost us. They beat Seattle. I mean, I mean, they're doing it. Uh, yeah, I didn't even realize we were one game behind the Packers. I don't, know, I don't know why I said to disregard, but the, the point still stands if we do manage to pass Green Bay, which is possible. But, uh, yeah, so let, let's talk about this game, man. It was – I think going into this – I mean, last week we were saying because of how how terrible the offense played against San Francisco. I mean, it was like we didn't need this offense to be the 2018 – Los Angeles Rams offense. Uh, they didn't need to be operating at that level. They needed to be playing efficiently uh, and not turn the ball over. And if we could do those two things, then we would feel good about our chances because the defense is is just that fucking good. And I think this game was kind of a good exemplifier of that. Although the offense, uh, I don't know if I would say it was a great offensive performance, but I would put it in you know the very good realm uh, there's a lot to like in this game, and most importantly, the only turnover we had in this game was special teams because we can't fucking win. Uh, we can't have everything go well. But, yeah, I mean, just like overall impressions, I I think this was a really solid game from the offense. It, was, it, it got a little bumpy earlier, but, I mean, like the things you want out of the offense is, A, you don't want Jared Goff to turn the ball over. That didn't happen. He He didn't have a turnover in this game. And B, you wanted to see the running backs, Cam Akers and, and Daryl Henderson, be the lead backs with Malcolm Brown kind of in a tertiary role. And we saw that. They both they both got good playing time. They both made some big plays. Um, it seems like they're finally committing to Cam Akers. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, really, just like I, I have some small, like, concerns from this game that I, I think Derek had as well on, on his podcast. But, um, you know, this is a game we needed from this offense, and it was great to get it. It, it was a complete 180 or 360 rather uh, from the previous game against the San Francisco 49ers. And I, it was great to see the running backs out there, you know, actually getting some, some snaps out there. I, I'm, you know, it may have not been a huge game for the running backs in terms of statistics, but seeing, looking at like how many, carries acres got he got 21 carries yep that that's crazy um you know that that's I, I don't think acres really came close to 21 carries so far this season so uh I, i'm happy to see that I, I hope to continue to see that maybe uh giving henderson the ball a little bit more as well uh to kind of have that you know nice complimentary role and then giving brown the opportunity uh, towards the goal line, which I, I thought was a little odd that they didn't hand the ball off to Brown more towards as a goal line and third down back. But, you know, maybe it was just they wanted to see what Akers could do. But, you know, it's coming to the point now where experimenting is kind of not really a luxury that the Rams have at the moment. You know, while they may make the playoffs regardless – because of the because of the record, it doesn't mean that you know they should kind of fall asleep at the wheel here. Uh, not that I think they were, but it, it is something that I feel like they should try and master. Um, you know exactly who they put in in certain situations. Uh, you know, since the playoffs is around the corner, really. Yeah, and uh, you look at the snap counts in this game, which I didn't see until now, and I'm pretty surprised by. It. Cam Akers, 52 snaps. Daryl Henderson, 18. So that's a it's a pretty huge difference. And then Malcolm Brown with 13. Uh, I It felt like Daryl Henderson was out there more than 18 snaps to me watching. But, uh, I mean, 
clearly I'm wrong. Uh, but yeah, they committed to Cam Akers. It was, I, I loved seeing it. Uh, I think he needed to get this game. And hey, Daryl Henderson, who in limited work after being really bad for the last couple games, played well, broke out a big touchdown, was, was decent in, uh, in the passing game. So it, it was good stuff from both of them. But obviously, uh, your story here is, is Cam Akers really finally having a big breakout game on the ground. 21 carries, 72 yards and a touchdown, added a catch for 22 yards. Uh, you know, not mind-blowing numbers, but the the high carry number uh, and the score are certainly a big deal for him. Um, and you, you mentioned the goal line work. I think one thing that's been clear about the Rams this year is they don't have a goal line back, which is great for fantasy owners um, because nobody's really getting vultured. It's kind of just whoever's out there. Or at least I don't know if you feel different, but whoever's been out there as the running back, they they wouldn't change it at the goal line. They would just keep they would keep rolling with that guy. No, I, I agree with that completely. That that's basically what they did with Acres. Uh, you know, this past Sunday, he um, you know carried the ball you know towards the goal line. You know, they um, just said, "Go ahead, run with it. Hopefully, you score." And uh, well, I, I can't blame him because I do think it would be uh, something special for Akers to continue to get into the goal. Um, I I don't know if it was I, – I don't know if it's the right thing to do. I, I think that Malcolm Brown would be more effective, although Akers did pound it in um, one time, so – yeah, after I, I imagine what you're referring to is when he got stuffed. Was it four straight plays? Uh, didn't get into the end zone there. Yeah, yeah. So that that's tough because, like, I you know I kind of respected that they just they weren't giving up on Acres and that. Uh, I don't necessarily think the answer would have been to put Malcolm Brown in and let him attempt to run it. But you probably shouldn't have ran the ball four plays in a row, I think, is the the big takeaway there. Um, if there's been one concern with what we've seen from Cam Akers this year, it would probably be that in in very short-yarded situations, uh, he's gotten stuffed a couple of times. And that's, that's not all on him. That A lot of that falls on the offensive line, um, which, which had a pretty good game, uh, a pretty solid, all things considered. Not their best, far from their worst. But, but yeah, it, w- it was interesting that they just ran him four times in a row. It's kind of funny because I feel like all year uh, we have been cl- clamoring for the Rams to run the ball more. And in that scenario, you know, they just kind of ran into the dirt to the final two plays in that goal line. Yeah, it, it puzzled me a little bit that they just basically ran the same plays over and over but I think part of that is a testament to not having Andrew Whitworth. I, I think um, if they had big wit, they might have tried something a little bit different. But, you know, uh, I, I think I think it's just an adjustment period. And hopefully big wit can come back to us, uh, you know, later on in the season. Yeah, and and I I mean we don't know for sure, but they they've been claiming he's gonna. So well, we'll see. I I agree. I mean it would it would be fantastic to get him back. Um, let, let's talk about Jared Goff, man. So last week was obviously it was kind of like the it wasn't I it was one of the worst games he's played at the Ram. I don't know if it's necessarily the worst, but it was kind of like everybody just kind of gathered together and just collectively decided that they they are not not finished with Jared Goff but just like they know what he is and when when things are going well you know he's he plays well and when they're not going well um he doesn't play well and you can't really this I don't necessarily know if, like, if that's your stance, you can't really f- refute it off this game. If your stance is Jared Goff sucks, like a game like this is proof that he doesn't suck. Like you know, if he was real, if he was truly a bad quarterback, then he couldn't do this. the The question is, you know, how good can he be? And this game, he was he was very efficient, doing everything he was asked of him. Uh, Thirty seven for forty seven for three hundred fifty one yards. Uh, only sacked one time, didn't turn the ball over. Look, I mean, the turnovers were a big problem, and he did not 
turned the ball over in this game. It was great. Uh, they played to his strengths. I would say the like the one thing and the one kind of like concern with Goff after this game, which is going to be a concern forever. And, and maybe it's not even a concern, you know, because look, if Jared Goff plays like this the rest of the way, if he has games like this, if the defense performs, then we're probably not going to lose most of these games. Uh, if, if the defense can step up, and even this game, well, it was a very good game by the defense, even though the scoreboard doesn't necessarily reflect that. But this is all we need, man. This is all we need. And he wasn't really – he didn't feel like he was looking deep a lot. I haven't dug into, like, the, the advanced numbers on that. But, um, I mean, I feel like a lot of the the catches were, were shorter passes. There were some, some midfields, some, like, shallower deep balls, no, like, bombs or anything. He didn't really, he didn't really take too many shots. But the game didn't dictate that he needed to. Uh, he relied on his guys, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. They each had eight – eight receptions for over 70 yards. Uh, Woods had 10 for 85. It, this, if, if, you know, Sean McVay is playing to his strengths and if this is going to be it, then, then we can win with it. Um, I would rather we get games from this, games like this from Jared Goff, where he's playing really efficiently, making his throws, not missing too much, especially after the early drives uh, and just doing what he needs to do to help the team win. And this is this was a perfect example of that. Now, is he gonna? Would you rather have a quarterback who could go out there like Pat Mahomes, be down twenty four seven, and just toss bombs and kind of just dominate and carry you back into win? Of course. But listen, man, Jared is what we have. This was a very solid game from him. I, I will be happy with games like this moving forward. You know, the funny thing is uh, with, with Jared Goff. You know, obviously having such a terrible game last week or the previous week, I should say, he um, sparked a lot of outrage, rightfully so, because uh, Goff didn't play up to what he's capable of and hasn't really been all that uh, great all season long. But, um, you know, to sit here and say that he's the worst quarterback in the league or, you know, the Rams could do better than him, you know, uh, maybe there is quarterbacks out there that are better, but as of now, the Rams have them locked up in a contract, a contract that nobody's going to take on. And I I've, I even found it kind of um, amusing seeing like, um, I forget who it was. I think it was Terry Bradshaw that, said, that made a comment saying that the Rams should trade for um, – uh, Matthew Stafford, and I'm like, okay, so you want the Rams to take on both Stafford's contract and Goff's contract at the same time, unless you're insinuating that you trade away Jared Goff as well, in which case I don't think the Lions would be interested. Yeah, um, he would. He would have to be insinuating that, right? Um, it's not. It's not an impossible like trade um and i think i think before this season we i i I think i either said i would rather have stafford or was like very very close um like yeah i'd rather have stafford but does that you know if if the lions are going to give up on stafford i don't think they're going to give up on him for jared goff like that would be kind of that would be a silly move and um yeah, I, I just don't really see a path of that happening. If it was offered to us directly, maybe we would accept it, but it's it's kind of just like a pointless game, at least during the season. We'll play this a million times in the off season. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I think that Goff showed everyone that he is a capable quarterback. He may not be the uh, best quarterback in the league, but he's certainly one that if, if he's – if he's on his game, he, he can be a very effective quarterback. Now, he wasn't perfect by any means. He had some very questionable decisions here and there. But for the most part, I thought he did a solid job and um, was one of the big reasons why the Rams won this game. So um wasn't completely and the only reason, but a good reason. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they needed this performance. And I think we all needed this performance. Uh, to be reminded that he look he could do this i mean 
he hasn't really gotten better over the last few years, but like if this this guy on this team can win in the playoffs, I don't know how deep he could take them at this level, um, but he can certainly win games against good teams. Uh, I, and the Cardinals have, have kind of fallen off a cliff a little bit, but I, I, nobody would sit here and say they're a bad team. Uh, it's an okay defense; they're fine. Um, there's some ta- there's a some really good players in that secondary too. And, and he played, he played really well. One stat we had to call out Johnny. How many three and outs do you think the Rams had in this game? Ah, that is important. After a really, really bad offensive game last week, with a lot of three and outs and a lot of just like nothing drives. Uh, I think if there was any, it would probably be like only one or two. There was none. The only drive that didn't get a first down was uh, they took a knee to end the half. So, and to end the game. Oh, no, that wasn't even a three and out. They got a first down on that drive. Oh, there you go. That completely, completely different turnaround, uh, considering half of their drives, um, you know, last, uh, the previous week, that <laughs> it went three and out. So, that that is something you definitely want to see. You don't want to see as much as I like Johnny Hecker, we don't want to see Johnny Hecker out there constantly. Yeah. Johnny Hecker I think only punted once in this game. Uh which is yeah. great. Uh and like we gave Goff credit. We've been shitting on McVay a little bit lately. Loved loved the game he called, genuinely. Um they got stuffed on downs twice, which like shit, man, that's fine. Uh, the only, the only thing I didn't love was uh fourth the the first drive it was fourth and six at the the Arizona thirty eight uh, and they went for it and didn't get it I didn't mind going for it um but look I we don't hate our kicker like is he not capable of making a fifty three yarder like I I would I would have given him a shot I think I I think I would have felt better about that especially after last week um but at, with hindsight twenty twenty. Maybe he just felt like he he had to let let Jared give it a shot. Um, I mean, what, this like it this doesn't really matter at all. But what what do you think? What did you think of that call? I personally, I liked it. I liked them uh, uh, showing that they had you know some balls to play with here. Did <laughs> giggity, <laughs> but um, I I think ultimately the decision here was to try and get an offensive rhythm and try and put some confidence in the offense because early on they um offensively they didn't do that great in like the first i want to say the first two or three drives yeah first first two drives and then the third drive they they marched down the field and scored okay there we go so yeah um i i think this was this was kind of mcveigh's way of trying to boost some confidence, unfortunately kind of backfired. But um, even then just showing that he believes in his offense. um, I don't think this was necessarily a jab at, at Matt Gay at all. Um, You know, or it could have been, I I don't, I'm not a hundred percent certain, but um, for me, that's what it came off to me as like that. They wanted to establish a rhythm somehow. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I, I, I didn't mind it. Um, I, I would have liked a field goal, but I liked going for a more than punting, I think, at, at that point in the field. And yeah, I, I, I really loved a lot of what he called. He wasn't, I don't think he was trying trying too much. Uh, he, there was no Tyler Higby <laughs> reverses, reverse handoffs. Um, would I have liked to let him let Goff look deep a couple times? I mean, sure, but listen, he, he's a smarter football mind than I am. Uh, we got a lot of Cam Akers. Van Jefferson was on the field a lot. It was kind of just like the grab bag of of things we wanted out of this offense. And I loved, at the end of the game, I mentioned they got a first drive on the, the, the final drive where they took a knee. They went for them fourth and one with a minute left, up 10. Like, why the fuck not? End the game. Get us home. Uh, I, I love that shit, man. I thought that was awesome. Well, it, it also shows you the that they're aware of the type of team they're playing. Well, I don't think they ever had a shot, even if the Rams punted it away at that point. Um, you know, the, it, you still don't want to give a team that has a high-powered offense like the Cardinals an opportunity. 
you know, this is a this is a team that has guys like DeAndre Hopkins on their team that you just know was itching for an opportunity to, uh, you know, showcase his skills. Yeah, and if you look at, you know, you look at the drives from the Cardinals in the second half, they they scored touchdowns on three of their six drives. Uh, obviously, one of them followed the Nisimba Webster punt, they, but they still scored immediately. Um, you know, we, we could have had a chance to stop them. Then, yeah, and the other two were turnovers. So it wasn't a, you know, it's it's odd because I feel like usually the Rams defense just comes alive in the second half and just, like, decimates people. And uh, this game was kind of the opposite. They had they had one blunder on the first drive of the game on that big Dan Arnold touchdown, and then we're lights out the first half. And still good in the second half. You know, you can't, I, I can't sit here and say, well, they scored on three of six drives and not acknowledge the fact that the Rams forced turnovers on two of the other three drives and scored a touchdown. Um, it was, it, it was a, a pretty, I <laughs> rarely use this game, but it was like a badass performance from the defense, man. Uh, that secondary was on fire. You, you look at Kyler Murray's numbers. If you take away that 59 yard, uh, touchdown to Dan Arnold on the first drive, which was just uh broken defense, I'm pretty sure, uh, Troy Hill kind of fucked up on that, but talk about a bounce back game after that play, man. I mean, holy shit. Uh, after, after that, after that play, or just without counting that play, Kyler Murray was 20 for 38, 114 yards an interception and a fumble. Like I, that's pretty damn good. I, some people are saying that like Kyler's kind of gotten figured out. He's, he's had a couple a couple bad games here, but like, I, I mean, I, I still believe in him. And I think that's a really, a really impressive performance by the Rams defense. And you look at, you know, if you're, if you're basing off of his last two games, which were bad, it was the Patriots and the Rams, you know, Bill Belichick and a elite defense in the Rams. So, I mean, it's just, what, what a game by them. And even with the lapses in the second half, it's going to happen when you're playing against DeAndre Hopkins and, the Cardinals, but overall, a really, really solid performance by the D. Yeah, I mean, really the only thing I feel like uh, Murray kind of took a step back at was uh, was him on the ground. Like, he wasn't running the ball uh, as much due to, you know, uh, he had uh, something bothering him in his leg. I forget what it was. He, he's been dealing with a shoulder injury too, so that that could be why he hasn't been as good the last couple of weeks. But alas, he was out there and we stopped him. Yeah, um, I, I I do think that Jalen Ramsey did a solid job in taking care of DeAndre Hopkins. You know, he, this is the best. I, I would say the best wide receiver in the league. I don't really think there's another one out there that's that I would say is better. Um, um, I I would put Julio on his level, but I would probably agree he's number one. Yeah, I mean Julio for sure. I I don't think anyone would argue that Julio is a uh, is a guy that that you want to put on that list. But even you know, I I really don't think there's anyone else that really comes close to uh, DeAndre Hopkins and. The fact that you know Hopkins was just limited to 52 yards, that that's impressive. You know, um, he did have one touchdown, but it was a short yardage touchdown. And um, sometimes there's just it, 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 when you're playing with that level of talent in a short yardage situation, it, it's kind of impossible to stop him at times. Yeah, what are you gonna do? It's it's DeAndre Hopkins, man, and these guys these guys have been going at it for years. Him and uh, him and Ramsey. So felt great to see us come out on top of that matchup. Got to mention this too before we move on. Sean McVay seven and zero against the Cardinals. Like fuck yeah, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought about that myself because uh, you know the Cardinals ha- haven't had too many great teams recently. Uh, which is why, which is why you know McVeigh has has the you know the impressive record, but for him to add on to it, you know, with this, you know, much more solid of a team, I, I think it, it just shows you how good of a coach Sean McVeigh really is. Yeah, and 
before we move on, Steve, uh, there's one thing I have to point out. It's it's definitely off topic, but uh, the Washington football team defeated the undefeated Steelers. Holy shit, they won? I didn't even see that. Yeah, they just they just won twenty three to seventeen. Wow! And it's like the NFC East just showed up this week. Like if the Cowboys win tomorrow, then it's like, damn! Like who who is this division? God, that's so embarrassing for the Steelers. Holy shit! That is so bad. Hey, the Washington, though. I mean, we talked about them a, a little bit ago when we were talking about this division. Not too bad, but I mean, like, Antonio Gibson got hurt in this game. Like, Peyton Barber was their lead back. He averaged 1.6 yards a carry, and they still lost. <laughs> yeah, says all you need to know. Yeah, I I mean, I, I personally was not a huge believer in the Steelers this year. But they were undefeated, so, I mean, you, you cannot count them out. Uh, so we'll see what happens. That's pretty rough. But yeah, man, the NFC East, big week. Uh, Giants came. Colt McCoy and Alex Smith knocked off playoff teams this week in the NFC East. That That's freaking incredible, man. Yeah. It, if, right? And if the Cowboys did it, uh, do it tomorrow, that's another team. And hey, if Well, you Nate, know who's the real winner of all this, right? Who? Vegas. Yeah, man. I'm not talking to Raiders. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's circle back to the NFC at the end of the pod because I do want to touch on that more. Uh, but to wrap up with the Rams defense, I mean, uh, yeah, the whole secondary was on fire. Darius Williams barely even got looked at. Jalen Ramsey did a really good job most of the time on DeAndre Hopkins. And, like, that's all you're going to ask, man? Like, if if you if you got somebody guarding LeBron James in the NBA and you give up twenty two points, that's it's a good job. Uh, and he did better than that in this game. And, and Troy Hill, man, I mean, really got beat on that that first touchdown and w- made, had a couple misses early in the game. I feel like, um, or no, he had that and he had the the fourth and twelve, which like of course we give up another. J- massive chunk of yards on a crucial play like that. Uh, he could have made the stop there. He didn't. But, I mean, you take out those two plays and a couple of their plays, really had a phenomenal game um, and really made up for it with that pick six at the end of the game to kind of ice ice it on the cake. His second touchdown in two weeks. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it felt good to see him have a good game because he's, we everyone's kind of – Hit on him this year. He hasn't been as good as last last year, but um, against a, you know, even behind Hopkins, a, a pretty decent receiving core beyond him. Not the best, but, like, there's players in there. Uh, a really, really solid job by all of them, uh, the whole secondary. Yeah, I, I think we can we could definitely say they faced the toughest receiver uh, of the season so far. And while I don't think it's the best receiving core, per se, that the Rams have faced, it, it's up there. Yeah, Kirk Kirk is, is pretty good. And then, like, Isabella and Keyshawn Johnson, I mean, they're, they're, they're players. Um, pass rush, too. I What was the number on sack? They only sacked Kyler Murray two times, but I feel like they were in his face all game. Uh, like, I, oh, yeah. I could, yeah, I could feel, I could feel it through the TV, and it's not, you know, I... I will be honest, when I watch a football game, I'm not sitting there staring at the pass rush every play. And it was something that I, I just noticed, like, because it, I felt like they were getting at him all the time. And to to the Rams' credit, too, you've got him rolling out a lot because we're in his face the whole game. Uh, and he didn't really rack up any rushing yards, five carries for 15 yards. And a lot of that goes to the pass rush. But also, I mean, we got to give him credit, man, Johnny. The inside linebackers played fine. They played fine, and oh. <laughs> I I texted you after this because I like audibly gasped when it happened. Troy Reader deflected a pass, made a very good play in pass coverage. I was absolutely shook, uh, absolutely shook. And beyond that, like uh, run stopping, uh, pass rushing, QB contained. He he had a dare I say a great game. I never thought I would say it. 
Yeah, even Kenny Young had a had a nice tackle in the backfield yep. uh, for one play. That was really one of the only memorable moments for Kenny Young. But uh, Troy Reader was all over the field and, uh, you know, led in tackles in this in this game. So, uh, you know, it wasn't a great start for, for the inside linebackers, admittedly, but played a lot better. And, and uh, you know, uh, hopefully this continues, especially – uh, since I have no idea when Micah Kaiser is coming back. Yeah, and I mean, next week will probably be the, uh, one of the bigger tests for the linebackers and the run defense in general because the, the Patriots don't don't pass the ball. Um, I, we can move on to that in a second. Do you have? Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, we got to talk about the special teams. Or do you have any final thoughts on the defense? I think we hit it all before we get to the special teams. Nah, I think we can move on. Yeah, and a big a big testament to them that they had this good of a game um, with basically they gave up 28 points. One of those was on that huge Dan Arnold touchdown on the first drive, and one of them was on Nisimba Webster fumbling a punt. Like, like we, we can't have it all, man. Um, I I had been clamoring for them to never let Cooper Cup return another punt again. I I still stand by it, but like the Simba Webster has been bad too. Uh, and this was kind of the icing on the cake. Like when you have a when you have a punt returner out there that isn't elevating like anything when he's on the field to fumble, I uh, it it's not a good look. And I I wonder if they'll. They'll take a look in the mirror after this. And just, what a shitty year for the special teams, you know, beyond Johnny Hacker. It's just, like, the Dallas, the Dallas special teams have been bad, but I, I hope they can, that whole coaching staff, and John Fossil just comes back. Uh, that'd be ideal, because it's it's kind of like when, like, you have a, I don't know, like, you have a movie where the directors, the actors, the writing, everything clicks as a unit, but, like, individually, the sum of the parts might not be that great. Um, that that unit, and that's not saying Johnny Hacker's not great, but that unit together, like, we haven't ran a fake punt all year. We have, It doesn't even feel like we've looked to run one. Um, John Fossil ran them all the time with Johnny Hacker, and just the return unit has been terrible. Uh, I don't think the, the kick... The kickoff, the kickoff unit has been pretty bad too. Um, obviously, we err. So we think we finally figured out the kicking situation. But then Matt, Matt Gay misses a thirty-seven yarder in this game. Granted, it was post, uh, and, and I tweeted after that, and I was like, "I'm so scarred by kickers this season that, like, I just I'm just happy that Matt Gay's misses look good. Like they almost yeah. go in, um, but it's just." It, I hate that they can't really put it together with this unit and the, you know, you, you live with the, the missed field goal, especially that one. You hit the post, you know, it, it happens. You're not going to hit everything. Uh, but that fumble was bad. That was really bad. Yeah. I, I, it's funny because I feel like that was kind of on our wish list uh, during the off season was to get a new uh, kick returner um, or a punt returner, at least bring in competition to uh you know for Nasimba Webster to you know have some sort of uh job security trying to fight for his life kind of situation but uh in a way I can't necessarily blame the staff either just because there was no preseason there was nothing to evaluate so all you have is is uh practice which you, you practice can only show you so much. And so I think they just went with the safe route and went with and kept uh Nassimba Webster. But that if you really go back and look at that fumble, it all just starts with how he carries the football, you know, because they even the tackle was nothing special. They didn't do anything They didn't put the helmet on the football they didn't do anything to where it was like, okay, they just made a really good play. It was just because he carried the ball like a loaf of bread. And they just exposed him. And the symbol Webster fumbles the ball, puts him in prime position, and then they get the touchdown. Luckily, that didn't really 
that that didn't really uh, come into play as a huge downfall for them. But man, that could have had some major, major consequences if uh, if the Rams weren't doing so well offensively. I, so, I mean, it, it felt like it was gonna kind of suck the life out of out of the game, and uh, it didn't. So credit to them, but it, it seemed like it was gonna be a momentum shifter. Uh, I mean, it, it made my, my momentum shift for sure. <laughs> Like no no joke, man. Like I was like, damn, how are we gonna come back from that? You know, the it, it wasn't it, it was it was worse that it happened so close to the Rams own end zone, and then sure enough it was just you know, prime territory for them and they just ran the ball in. I believe that was the one uh Kenyon Drake ran in. Um but yeah. I have to say the the thing that was most upsetting was the fumble and not so much the missed field goal. Uh, Matt Gay, while I would prefer him to make those kinds of field goals at 37 yards, you know, being scarred by guys like Sam Sloman and Kai Forbath, I, I'm, I'm happy to accept that he just missed the field goal. And it was barely missed, but it was a miss nonetheless. I can live with that. Just hopefully Matt Gay doesn't let those kinds of field goals miss too often. And even he said in the postgame uh, report that he was very disappointed in himself and he vows not to let that happen again. So for me, that that's the kind of attitude I want to see. Somebody that's going to try and better themselves after making such a crucial mistake. Right. Yeah, and he's still been sleeps and bounds <laughs> better better than every kicker we've had this year. So, you know, you 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 take it you, you take it, I guess. Um <laughs> we've been so scarred, man. It's it's been so rough. Um why I feel like I can't, I can't find the uh like like the box score from this game is like missing missing plays. I don't know. For, for, forget forget where my my train of thought was going here. Um, I got it. Yeah. So they gave up that uh the fumble, um, and came back right down the field and got a huge drive, uh, straight down the field for a touchdown and it ended with the Daryl Henderson touchdown run. So kudos to them for not folding on that because, you know, if there were fans in the stands or whatever, I don't know. It might have been a different story, but it wasn't. Uh, end of my – I don't know where my mind went there. <laughs> Let's talk about the Patriots, man. Thursday night football. We're on, we're on a short turnaround this week. Um, the Patriots are fucking weird, man. What a bizarre football team this year. I. Uh, just so all over the place you and i'm trying i guess i closed out of all my links that i'm trying to pull back up but they're six and six they've beaten some good teams they've lost to some shitty teams uh they almost lost to the jets a couple weeks ago and then this week they just come in and absolutely steamroll the chargers 45 to nothing uh the chargers not great but they they have scored points this year, and the Patriots just straight up shut them out. Um, they are 12th overall in yards allowed per game on defense, 6th overall in points allowed per game. Uh, obviously, that 45-0 win is a pretty big statement game from them. They, they've they won four out of their last five. So They lost to the Texans, though, so I mean, again, it, it, they're a weird team, and one of the ones is against the Jets, so... Take it how you will, but they they might be turning a corner. They might not. Um, they they're already in L.A., so they probably didn't leave, right? Yeah, they're staying at UCLA. It looks like. So so you're not going to really have the travel concerns there that you normally would on a short week going coast to coast. Uh, I don't know what kind of strings Bill Belichick pulled there, but <laughs> they're so fucking weird. As a team, um, they have the third best rushing attack in the NFL, one of the worst passing attacks in the NFL. So this will be really, really interesting from like uh, the strengths and weaknesses of our defense. 
The strength is clearly pass defense. I don't know if run defense is a weakness, a true weakness, and we will probably find out in this game. Hopefully, Brandon Silly can come out with a good game plan, but <laughs> like you look at their last four games, week uh, against Baltimore four weeks ago, Cam Newton went 13 for 17 with 118 yards, and they won. The next game, he goes 26 for 40 with 365 yards, and they lost. And then the last two weeks, he's had 84 yards and then 69 yards. So they're just straight up like not throwing the ball much, and and they're winning. Credit to them. I don't know how you win 45 to nothing with 69 passing yards. How how is it's, that possible? It's a it's a Belichick type of win. I will say that much. Like yeah, I, I, I I feel like not many coaches can pull that off, if if any at all, other than him. Yeah, they they returned a punt for a touchdown. They blocked a field goal and returned it for a touchdown. Um, they they got a couple interceptions, but I mean they didn't even score off of every one of them. Just just wild. And like you look at like I I tell you that stat about Cam Newton. You'd imagine like one player would have ran all over them, right? They're leading rusher at eighty yards. Then the next two guys, 48 yards, 35 yards, 165 yards as a team. So they did, they didn't even have over 300 yards on offense, and they won 45 to nothing. So yeah, I mean, it, it pretty much reminds me of what the Dolphins did to the Rams, really. Yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a good comp. Um, although the Chargers didn't have nearly as much total yards as we did. Oh, no, of course not. Yeah, but so it, this is a very interesting matchup. Uh, if you ever wanted to point out a game that was a trap game, it's this one. But I mean, it shouldn't we we shouldn't be treating it as a trap game because a they won four out of their last five games, and b it's Bill fucking Belichick, uh, the man who just absolutely embarrassed us in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Um, <laughs> you look at that game. After having games where we're just absolutely running all over people, we only had 62 yards on the ground. Uh, Jared Goff went 19 at 38 for 229 yards. Uh, now that's a long time ago, but we'd probably all agree we'd rather have 2018 Jared Goff than 2020 Jared Goff. Uh, and also concerning is you, we mentioned last week, and I'll bring it up again, we struggle against recent Bill Belichick disciples. Uh, you look at the guys who have been floating around the NFL the last couple of years, uh, at least while McVay's been the coach, Matt Patricia, Brian Flores, and Joe Judge, uh, with the formerly with the Lions and then with the Dolphins and the Giants, respectively. Uh, I pulled up Jared Goff's numbers, Johnny, under Sean McVay against those four coaches, 96 of 164, 991 yards, three touchdowns, four interceptions, sacked 10 times, fumbled three times, 58% completion rate in those four games. So not great. Um, obviously, these are all different teams, but I mean, I, I guess I, <laughs> I kind of laid it all out. Um, are you nervous going into this game? I think it would be a lie to say that there isn't a little bit of concern at least, but it is something to, to be very concerned about because really every coach, as we've said, I think last week, I think every coach that the Rams have played against that was under the Belichick um, tutelage is, uh, I, I have to say they the Rams just played terrible against them. Even if they got the win, it wasn't even a pretty win. So playing against the man himself, which the the Rams have already and in in the Super Bowl and just have just played utterly terrible. So this may not be the same Patriots team that the Rams faced back in 2018, but you know, this is still a team that is obviously uh, still trying to get back there. Um, and they still have some quality players still. So 
I, I, I'm going to have to say that I, I'm really nervous about this game because I think that the the way that the Rams could lose this game is if they if they overlook them and if they continue to turn the ball over. If they turn the ball over like they did in San Francisco, it's it's going to be a blowout. That that's basically how it's going to be. But if they uh, if they limit the um, if they limit the turnovers, I feel like this is definitely a winnable game. So that's going to be, in my opinion, the biggest reason why the Rams win or lose this football game. So there is still some reason to be optimistic. It's not like all hope is lost or anything like that. Yeah, it's a game the Rams should win. I mean, there's no doubt they should win this game. They're the better team, like for sure. Um, but it's odd, like you look at like I'm I'm not loving looking at the box score from the Super Bowl. And obviously, they're different teams. I mean, the we we did, we did a good job against Tom Brady that game. Uh, he did not play good. Uh, neither quarterback played good. Um, but you, you meant like, yeah, if we don't turn the ball over, things will probably go well for us. But in that game, we didn't. We turned the ball over once. And um, <laughs> we scored three points, and they scored 13. And the guys that beat us up in that game, Julian Edelman, Rob Gronkowski, they're not there. Um, the Patriots receiving core is, is awful. Uh, it's full of, like, not great. No, there's, there's guys that are okay. Uh, you know, Jacoby Myers is fine. Demir Bird is, is all right. Um, the running backs aren't very good either, although Damian Harris has been playing pretty well lately. Uh, James White can obviously catch. It's, but it's, I'm so nervous. Uh, I, I would pick the Rams to win 20 to 10 is my official prediction in a gross football game. But I, it's, it's all going to depend on a, like, yeah, the turnovers will be a big deal, but the Rams need to score some points. Uh, they don't need to score a ton. They, but they need to get points on the board and, the good news is that I think McVay has been planning for this game for two years, genuinely. I could see it being a blowout for that reason. Uh, I think everyone, even though, you know, they got their win against Tom Brady this year, sure, but this game specifically, uh, they all got something to prove, and hopefully hopefully they prove it. And I think what's what's good, too, is, you know, at the other side of the ball in defense, A, we have an elite defense. It's a little concerning that this is a extremely run-heavy football team, almost exclusively a running football team. Uh, and our inside linebackers will get tested uh, in this game, and we'll see how they step up. Luckily, I think Troy Reader has been fine as a run defender. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say that really about Kenny Young, but um, it's a game they should win. And, and I think Brandon Stilley will have a good game plan to deal with this Patriots offense because they shouldn't scare you that much. Um, and, yeah, we'll see what they do. We, we Luckily, our safeties like to tackle, too. So, um, so I, I would imagine, like, looking at this team, I mean, you could run shadow coverage and all or man coverage on the receivers a lot in this game and feel good about it and, you know, blitz a little, rush, have guys in the box to stop the run. Uh, I, I, I think we're going to win, but I'm nervous as hell because of the, the history we have here. It'd be nice to have Taylor Rapp, actually. That would have been really great to have him for this game. Yeah, confirmed but... he's not. Yeah, no. Um, but that being said, I, I am, <laughs> for the second straight week in a row, cautiously optimistic. I do feel like the the Rams do have better players. That, But to be honest, I felt like they have better players in 2018 also, but we saw how that went. <laughs> yeah, we, being... we were a more talented football team in 2018. There's no doubt about it. We just got... Uh, we got schooled, man, by a team that knew what the fuck they were doing. That's that's for sure. But uh, I think I'm gonna go with the 24, 24. Yeah, I'll stick with it. Twenty four to eighteen victory. Um, it, it will be as Steve said, a very brutal victory. I'll I'll say. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really really curious to see how this game goes. Uh, it is it's it's a, an intriguing Thursday night matchup for sure, uh, and obviously first time two teams playing since 
they played in a Super Bowl, although a lot of those players are, are gone <laughs> from New England. Uh, it's a completely different football team, but Bill's still there. And Sony Michelle's still there. Uh, yeah. So be- before we wrap, I do want to touch on the kind of like the playoff prediction, playoff picture as a whole. And I mean, the good news for the Rams, if they do drop this game, is conference record will factors into division placement, right? Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, right now the Steelers have the advantage over the Chiefs because they're both 11 and 1, but they have a better record in conference games because they just lost to the Giants, who are in a different conference. The good news for us right now is that um, two of our losses were in the AFC. And, you know, like, obviously you don't want to drop this game. And if we do drop this game, it would be an uphill climb to get the two seed. But uh, it wouldn't affect that part of the tiebreaker, at least. The Rams are in four in in control of the division right now, control their own destiny in the division. Uh, and you look at the, the seeding, man. I mean, the two teams competing for seventh uh, are six and six, the the Vikings and the Cardinals. So, I mean, it would take a lot for us to not make the playoffs and i mean literally if if we beat the if we beat the cardinals again we we essentially clinch a playoff spot unless the the 49ers straight up win five straight games but it, one one thing that like i don't love johnny is like you look at the way the the playoffs are laid out right now if we get the two seed uh and i know i said recently like i wouldn't mind the five seed i think you want the two seed because you'll get You'll most likely get whoever of the Vikings, Cardinals, uh, Bears, 49ers. I mean, hope to God we don't get the two seed and have to play the 49ers. That's the absolute worst case scenario. Um, but I don't really think they're going to, 49ers are going to be in the playoffs, and I would want that two seed um, to play the Vikings or Cardinals. Or the Seahawks end up winning the division, and we get the five seed, and we get to play the Giants or the Washington football team, which is an ideal scenario. But if we stay where we are and we get the three seed, we're either going to play the Seahawks or the Bucks, which like kind of fucking sucks, man. That's not not the best matchup. Yeah, I was looking at that earlier, and I was thinking, if the season were to end right now, the Rams would be playing the Bucks, and uh, even though the Rams beat the Bucks, it, it's the you know, it, it wasn't exactly the. Uh, a blowout or anything and you know the the Bucks could easily make adjustments and make this an even tougher game so um, yeah I'm kind of with you Steve I kind of want that number two spot but like you said there are risks to it and uh, that risk being the 49ers it it wouldn't be that big of a stretch that the 49ers end up with the final seed you know right yeah that would suck the, can you imagine like <laughs> we win out we get the two seed we're all fucking pumped and the 49ers squeak into the seven seed that would just be the absolute worst timeline i'd be i would be so shook i would have no faith i would have absolutely no faith that we'd beat the 49ers in that game i don't know how you could <laughs> after what we've seen this year uh you you really can't and it, it's a shame that it's like that but there are just some teams that match up better against others and the 49ers are are one of those teams that just match up better than the Rams so yeah. uh yeah hopefully that doesn't happen but I, I have to say though I am intrigued with the idea of the Rams playing against a team like the Vikings or the Giants or something like or some one along those lines yeah I I think <laughs> truly after this game the ideal scenario is we get the two seed in the Cardinals to make the playoffs um, like that, and that would be ideal. But we'll we'll see what happens. I think the good 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 news for a team like us this year, who is good but like severely flawed in a lot of ways, is like I don't really feel like I'm not that scared of anyone in the NFC besides the 49ers, but for like completely different reasons. Like the Saints are at the top of ten and two. You know, like I'm not terrified of the Saints. Like at all, uh, and that's a, I. You know, y'all know I'm biased. I fucking hate the Saints, but 
Uh, I mean, they're 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 good. They're the best team in the conference right now. They're a better team than us. If we played them this week, well, if if we played them this week, I would absolutely pick the Rams. But if we played them with, uh, if we played them with the their actual quarterback in and not a tight end, uh, I don't think I would pick the Rams. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, they they've got the Chiefs still on their schedule. Um, there's a, there's a path for us to get the one seed, but it, it's a tough p- path to to get there. Uh, but we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, of, of all the NFC teams, other than maybe the 49ers, I would say the team that fright well, not even frightens me. That kind of makes me the most nervous isn't actually the Saints. It would be the Packers. Yeah, and- I. I said the Saints are the best team right now, but I think like if we were picking a team to come out of the NFC today, I would pick Green Bay. Yeah, because uh, the the Packers, I feel like they still have Aaron Rodgers, and while he may not be in his prime anymore, he's still playing like he's in it. You know, he he still has like one of the most amazing arms in the game. And pretty much they have so many weapons on that team that they can beat you on the ground or they can beat you through the air. Like, they have so many ways to win. So, for me, if there was any team in the NFC that I would be nervous against, it would be against the Packers. But even then, I feel like the Rams still have a legitimate shot because I'm still confident with our secondary. Yeah, and and this year in general, like, None of these teams in the NFL period are like, like, I mean, the Chiefs are really the only like straight up, if you're playing them in the playoffs, you do not feel good about your chances. But even them, like, they just almost lost to Denver. Like, they, they've lost yeah. to the fucking Raiders this year. Like, they're, they're not perfect either. Um, it, it, it's open and like, you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. And the, like, the Rams are, the Rams are capable of beating any team in the league. Uh, they're also capable of losing on a given day to pretty much any team in the league either, but they, they really haven't. I mean, <laughs> like they're, you look at their losses, the bills and the dolphins are both eight and four, right? The bills are nine and three, I think. Um, so it's just, they can't beat the fucking 49ers, man. It just, uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I feel good about what we're going to do in the playoffs, but like. I feel good at how the rest of the playoffs are shaping up around us, uh, which is almost as important of a factor. Alrighty. Well, uh, Johnny, I believe we're going to be doing the post game show Thursday. So you guys are going to hear from us twice this week. Fun stuff. (laughs) Is that a, is that a curse or is that a gift? I, I think it's a gift. I think it's a big gift, especially. Well, no, I was going to say, especially if we lose, uh, because our. I I don't know what's what I enjoy doing more: podcast after we win or podcast after we lose. I enjoy winning more by a lot, but like when we lose, <laughs> I at least get to be like, oh, at least I get to go shit all over the team on the podcast. That's true. Yes, but I would much rather come in here after a win. So uh, we will talk to you guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I I would much rather. Yeah. You know what? You're right. Um, I would rather do a podcast after I win against the Patriots for sure than a loss. Um, And I think that absolutely 100% ironclad stands for the next 49ers game, too. (laughs) But uh, all right, guys, we will talk to you guys Thursday night and be up Friday morning. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Steve Barrow, at Johnny Five Not Six, and at Talk Rams. And we'll see you guys then. Tell Sean Payton keep talking that. Shit. We gonna see him soon. You feel me? You can't.
can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.